0: to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, whether you're across town or across the globe. I'm your host, Kieran Tate, and it is my pleasure to be bringing you Voices of the Sacred Feminine now in its eighth year. Well, if you've been with me from the beginning, and I know many of you absolutely have been, isn't it hard to believe how the time has been flying by? And coming out in November uh, is uh, a book, actually, about the radio show. It's called Voices of the Sacred Feminine, Conversations to Reshape the World. And some of my top-tier guests over the years are in the book, uh, people like Noam Chomsky, uh, Laura Flanders of Grit TV, Gloria Felt of Planned Parenthood, uh, Starhawk, Rhianne Eisler, Jean Shinoda Bolin, uh, the list just goes on and on, Matthew Fox, Father Roy Bourgeois, um, uh, people from the goddess community, uh, social justice activists. Um, we even have a tribute to Lane Redman uh, in the book. So I'll be telling you more about that later on in the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, the show has definitely spawned uh, some wonderful things. And that cut opening tonight's show was called Maria, and it's by the band from across the pond by the name of Be Optimistic. And don't we all have to be? Because our thoughts do create our own reality. Are we in gratitude for the things we do have as we strive for the things we're working toward? It's interesting how that works. It's as if being in gratitude helps us manifest more of what we desire. It's as if the more we give to each other, the more we care and share, the better our lives actually are. It's not about gathering up all the wealth and power we can in this lifetime. It's about living a life of joy. It's about our quality of life and enjoying that life. After all, isn't one of the things we say about goddess is all acts of pleasure are her rituals? So are we being reactive or proactive? That's what really defines us. Do we impulsively react to challenges or do we make lemonade of lemons and meet our challenges and disappointments with the wisdom that these things that happen to us sometimes, the unpleasant things, can really be gifts that afford us an opportunity for growth. Well, I know you know all of this, but if you're like me, it's nice to have a friend remind us. So, dear friends out there, I hope that helped a bit. We shape our own reality by our thoughts and by deciding to be proactive. Well, uh, tonight um, I only have one guest. Uh, You'll be hearing from Minister Daphne Leah uh, sharing her experience of wedding wisdom for those out there planning their big day uh, or perhaps helping a loved one plan their wedding. Uh, Beyond the obvious, Daphne Leah shares with us the importance of self-care and self-love during this Emotional and stressful time, uh, how to stay true to oneself while attending to the needs of family and friends, too. We'll discuss choosing an officiant and why that's important, and she gives examples of a goddess-god-focused wedding flow. So I like to think of this as wedding wisdom, the goddess way, with Daphne Leah. Then, crossing the threshold into the second half of the show, I'll offer a meditation uh, dedicated to our beloved Sekhmet, the Egyptian lion-headed goddess who teaches us to have healthy boundaries, to be strong, discerning, resilient. She's both a warrior goddess and a mother and a healer. Myself, I like calling her the Lady of Tenacity Manifested. I think my good friend Melody and I actually came up with that name for her, but it's Seems to fit so appropriately. We'll pay tribute to SEPMET tonight as our country deals with the summer heat, with drought here in California, and uh, wildfires that uh, are plaguing lots of areas. Various- and if you have my book, Walking an Ancient Path, I've actually detailed some very magical experiences I've had with SEPMED, including when I truly believe our petition to her helped a fire that had been raging out of control for weeks a few years ago. When we called upon her that uh, you know, to help quell that fire that just couldn't be put out, the firemen just were not having any luck with it day in and day out, weekend and week out, Within 45, I'm sorry, within 24 hours of our uh, doing our prayer work to her and our affirmations and reaching out to her, the fire stopped. The uh, firemen got it under control, and it even rained during a time when we just never have rain. So yes, Sekmet is the deity and archetype for women today as they seek to dissolve the patriarchy and empower themselves to make the world a better place. She's an incredible goddess, uh, multi-purpose, uh, most definitely. And we're going to get to Daphne Leah and Sekhmet in just a minute, uh, but the summer has been so busy. I want to make sure you knew about these recent shows. Um, just a couple weeks ago, I had both Carol Christ and Matthew Fox on the show in one night. Uh, Carol was speaking about the joys of ancient Greece. Uh, we talked about gift-giving societies, and um, uh, you'll have to go back and, and, and give a listen to that. Uh, we got into um, you know the matrifocal or matrilineal part of uh, the societies back then. Matthew Fox talked about Meister Eckhart, uh, the mystic warrior. We compared him to uh, some uh, wonderful feminists. Uh, Angie Buchanan uh, had a show on death midwifery. Uh, she believes that we really do have to reclaim that, um, that job, that role, and not just uh, relinquish it to the funeral industry. Uh, Ann Scott was on the show uh, with a show called Supporting Women in Transition Using Sacred Feminine Wisdom. Uh, Trista Hendren, uh, author of the wonderful children's book that's just beautiful and wonderful for adults, too, called The Girl God. We talked about her her book as well as Islamic feminism and the importance of pluralism. So please look for these great shows with these wonderful guests. Uh, I don't think you will want to miss them. And please save the date. Uh, If you're within driving distance of Los Angeles or Orange County, please mark your calendar uh, for September 27th. I am throwing a big party at the Goddess Temple of Orange County to launch my next book. Yes, I do did just have a book launch party in April, do you remember? That's true. That was for Goddess Calling, Inspirational Messages and Meditations of Sacred Feminine Liberation Theology. That was my third book. But I have another one coming out this year, uh, put out by John Hunt Publishing. And this is my fourth book, the one I mentioned at the top of the show, the anthology of some of my top tier guests that have uh, been right here on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. And some of them will actually be there at the party as my special guests. So please come enjoy the fun. We're going to do, uh, have drumming and a wonderful uh, gifted singer-songwriter is going to perform, uh, as will some women doing sacred dancing. Uh, I've arranged a wonderful evening on the theme called Celebrating Partnership. I hope it will tickle your sacred feminine, and divine masculine, your yin and yang, your cognitive and, and intuitive minds, and hopefully inspire you. And it's free, 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 free. So please come Saturday, September 27th from 7 to 10. Bring your drums and community spirit. Learn how we can offer an alternative to our patriarchal culture. Also last week I mentioned one of our foremothers left the earthly plane and was within the wings of ISIS. If you're in the Fellowship of ISIS, as am I, you know her name, Lady Lorian, or the Right Reverend Lorian Vignette from ISIS Oasis in Geyserville, California. That's uh, north of San Francisco. I interviewed Lorian several times, and you can find her here in the archives. You can put her name in the search box, for blog talk or look for her by the date uh, in my list of past shows. She was on June of 2013 and September of 2010. But another of our foremothers left us this week, Margot Adler. Yes, Margot Adler. She was an NPR journalist, a witch. She had a wonderful sense of humor and was very smart. One of her books was pivotal as it documented the state of paganism in the United States called Drawing Down the Moon. Yes, we will miss Margo Adler, and I invite you to get to know her a bit better, too. Let her own voice speak for her. She, too, is in the archives here on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. In the search box, just put Voices of the Sacred Feminine Margot Adler, and our interview will come up. I've also posted on my Facebook page, if you're feeling like that's easier for you. It was my honor and privilege to interview both these women, and I'm so glad I did and hear their voices live on. And one more thing before we start uh, our interview tonight with Daphne Leah and get ready for our Sekhmet meditation. Um, I have to pay for airtime. Yes, I do. I do this show as a service to the community. So uh, if you don't mind, give a listen. Most people see humankind is really separate from nature, separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree is. And I came out of it. This is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive
1: of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course.
0: Well, if you're a regular, you know that commercial by heart by now. You can probably um, say it in your sleep. But uh, I thank uh, Joe Carson, uh, who is the filmmaker of uh, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, she helps me uh, keep uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine on the air uh, by running that commercial. And... Um, it's, it's a great documentary, too. Uh, it should be in every library, quite frankly. Uh, it's great for someone who is experienced, and it's also good for someone who's new to all of this as they're exploring Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and understanding the as Gaia. Uh, there are 15 visionaries on the documentary who give us tools to feel the life of the planet within ourselves. And um, the DVD comes with a 45-page book, and it all costs just $20. So if you're interested, uh, if it sounds like a good deal, because it really is, um, just go to dancingwithgaia.com, dancingwithgaia.com. Well... um, I think that about does it, and I am going to welcome Daphne Leah to the show. She's been very patient. Um, let me tell you a little bit about her as before we start our chat. Uh, Daphne Leah is an officiant, an ordained minister in the goddess faith tradition. She creates heart-centered connections uh, for your personal occasions. Um, you know she does things beyond weddings, even though weddings is uh, primarily what we're going to talk about tonight. She has over seventeen years experience in designing, organizing, and facilitating special events from love. Daphne Leah is here today to share her experience and self-care and self-love amidst the beautiful event of one's wedding, so that you will have more information to enjoy your special day. So Daphne Leah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I am so excited by everything you've said so far. I am just in love with you and your presence and your eight years. Congratulations.
0: Oh, thank you so, so much. Happy now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, and I'm glad you decided to um, you know, to talk about this, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, wedding wisdom the goddess way, you know, because um I recall um when I got married, uh I didn't think a whole lot about self-care. It was all about picking out the cake and picking out the flowers and picking out the dress. And while all of that can be very exciting, um, you know, it can also be um, tension-filled, trying to keep the family happy, trying to find the money to pay for everything. So I, I wish I had had someone who could sort of take me aside and say, you know what? This is going to fly by, and it's going to feel like ten minutes. <laughs> Quite honestly, I wish they had said to me, "Take all the money you're spending on the wedding and spend it on a honeymoon." But uh, of <laughs> <Our> course... house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our house. Um, you know, uh, but of course, you know, uh, you know, we women, we we do have to have our weddings, and and I know the ceremony is is very important to, um, you know, to, to our men as well. So. I I guess, Daphne, Leah, what do you think are the most important things um, you'd like to share about self-care when one's planning their wedding or maybe as an officiant or someone who is helping someone that they care about plan their wedding?
1: Yes, so those are two different ways to go. And the word that you said earlier was proactive, when we're creating our own things. So when we have a wedding, it's another opportunity for us to own our own lives and be proactive. So f- first, I'm going to talk about the doing it ourselves and with, with the help, because we definitely need support and help. Um, the very, very first thing I want to remind everyone about is that the wedding is all about you and your partner. That is the most important thing. This is a moment that you are sharing your love and declaring it in time and space. It is very exciting. So then it's the owning it, acting like it. It's acting like divine royalty. What I mean by that is just really taking your space and your stance in this moment, receiving all the blessings. How people act toward royalty, they're going to act that way towards you. And it's the receiving of that. And then yes, dismissing all the things that do not amuse us. <laughs> so we can just ignore those things, or we have someone designated to help us handle those things. Well, yourself-
0: and, and, oh, and, you know, and this is this is all really good advice, but, you know, sometimes that's easier said than done, don't you think? You know, we get families pressuring us to, Oh, can't you invite just ten more people? Or oh, you're not going to sit Anne Harriet next to um, Uncle Tom? You, you know what I mean? It's all of these um, all of these pressures, and I and I think if you're young, especially you know maybe if you're in your twenties or who knows maybe even your thirties, you know it's hard to be in that um, in you know to feel in control to feel in that space um, of, of you you called it. I, I think you refer to it as divine. You know you, you divine really royalty. To, I think, <laughs> yeah, divine royalty. You know you really have to sort of have a a sense of yourself. I, I think in order to be the queen. You know I'm thinking about Ava at the goddess temple. She talks about you know being the queen in the sense that you rule your realm. And I think a bride really does have to sort of rule her realm on her wedding day. Um, But sometimes that's hard with all the outside influences, don't you think?
1: Definitely. It is very, very, very hard. And there are a few things about that. My magical tool is breathing. Breathing. Every time we breathe, we retain our authentic shape. We remember who we are. We take the time for the deep breath. It gives us back our power. And we can think better and clearer. So, oh, and I, I agree with that.
0: You know, my husband um, had a heart attack about a year ago, and um, you know, stress is stress, whether it's wedding stress or health-related stress, and. Uh, a good friend called me who had lost her husband, actually, and said, "You know, I know you're not. You know, you're, you've you've got to be having it a little rough. I'm good. the best advice I can give you, the best help I can give you, is to is to tell you to breathe. And you know, she said to you know slowly inhale ten times." And just make the time to do it because, you know, sometimes when you've got a million things to do, you feel like you can't sit there and take 10 slow, deep breaths. But I have to tell you, it made an incredible difference when I would stop and do that.
1: Yes, it's magical. And then that's the other thing. We have to um, relinquish the control. Perhaps in our minds we say, well, this will be the perfect wedding, and this is how so-and-so needs to behave, and so-and-so needs to behave that is outside of our control we really have no control over other people and the emotions that come up for them it's such a big day that we have no way of controlling how they're going to be yes yeah. so
0: yeah.
1: we can actually trust trust in our divinity trust in the day i have the magical um, deities of weddings happy wedding deities
2: And it
1: may be silly, exactly, it is silly, but there are those entities that really want us to have the best wedding day. And we can let that go. And that's exactly where we're holding on to that royal couple, that royal way of being, so that somebody else will take care of that. That's where we ask for help. We can hire someone to help us. We can ask our clergy. We can ask our officiant. These are people that are trained in mediation. And they can talk to the person that's having an emotional moment at our wedding. They could be sad, they could be angry, all sorts of things come up. Mm-hmm. So we want to have someone there that's a designated you know, I like to say lover because they're loving on that person, they're compassionate with that person and they're taking care of it so we don't have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you saying, you know, don't um you know, don't get all wrapped up in how people or responding is so, is so wise, you know, because we can't control that. And there's such liberation in that surrender, you know, to just figure, um, you know, you're just going to have a wonderful day and you're going to laugh. And, 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 you know, I know from taking trips, and I'm sure you do too, Daphne, Leah, because you like to travel outside the country, sometimes the thing when you're on a tour, um, that seems to fall apart and it's kind of the biggest blunder that's one of your best stories when you go home that you know that you tell people and you know so so in at your wedding, I sort of think it's the same thing you know when uh I don't know when two of your relatives are there pulling each other's hair out uh you know that that can be such a funny story everybody can laugh at later. <laughs>
1: That's what's so exciting about life. You know, the wedding is one microcosm about how we live. And so if we can live in the moment and really know that everything is in our best interest, that maybe that is the only reason why those two people are fighting, is just so we have that fantastic story to tell later on. (laughs) Everything is in our best interest. And to take pleasure in the whole day, you know?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yes. so uh, being to kind of oneself though um how you know how do you balance that? How can you stay true to yourself um and still maybe see to the needs of family and friends? Is there a trip to that?
1: There is kindness, so when we're kind to ourselves first, we come from a place of being very gentle, so this is where Culturally, I think that it's perceived as a weakness, but in truth, it's a strength. Kindness and gentleness gives us a strength within where our spine grows taller, our heart expands, and we can tend to ourselves and listen to the other person. So instead of going quickly to the, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that, we have that moment to where we can listen. And then I have a few, so we listen to them with our open hearts. And I have a few sentences that we can say. Um, so someone gives us a suggestion. It might not be our favorite thing, but we can say, oh, that is too important, so, that I will, so I have to think about that. Another one is, I know you love me, and I really thank you for your input. I'm going to need time with that. And it's, hmm, let me see what we can do about that. And so when we listen to another person, they feel heard, they feel valued, and then we have a heart-to-heart moment.
0: And yeah, because you're not time committing. Think. You know, in saying those things, you're not committing to doing it, but right. you're sort of giving yourself space to think about it and maybe make a decision, and also, like you said, they know they're being heard as well.
2: Right.
1: It's a day of love i just love weddings i love the beauty of it i love how creative people get it really is about having a time where it's honored to have the open heart we can be so vulnerable and strong and beautiful on that special day it it really is a magical time separate from the mundane
0: absolutely absolutely and uh you know, we should sort of keep that mindset, you know, uh, because it, it is a, uh, you know, I, I, I wonder how many people actually think of a wedding as sacred, you know. Uh, I think it's lost its sacredness a bit. Um, and, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I, I think that sort of, um, you know, there's evidence for that in actually in how, how people act, you know, if they really think thought the wedding was sacred, I think some people would behave better. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. So, so I can always say yes to everything you just said, and it's true, yes. And, and, <laughs>
2: yes. And, and, you know,
0: so so maybe even as the officiant, you know, uh, I mean, I've done hand fastings and weddings myself, and, and you're making me think of something that maybe I would add now, you know, to actually maybe make the statement, you know, when you're welcoming people. Thank you for coming to this sacred event. Thank you for witnessing this sacred event. And, you know, that sort of maybe sets the tone a little bit.
1: Yes, and different faith traditions do do that. And I think it's a beautiful moment. Um, If I could share this part, which I get so excited about. It's one of the ways we bring goddess and God into, um, a neo-pagan wedding, it's because if there's a man in the wedding couple, then we acknowledge the divinity that is rising through him and shows up as God. And if there's a woman in the marriage couple, the couple getting married, we as officiants Look at that! We see the divinity that's within her rising out from her, and is goddess expressed as only those people can. And it is so exciting because every time we look at something, honor it, make it real, it grows. It gets a new life to it. Yeah.
0: Lovely, lovely, and 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 you know, and, and and I think. Um, goddess or pagan officiants um, priestesses, if you will i mean i would rather call them you know priestesses um, they I think they have have a they kind of have a higher bore uh because uh, especially if you're doing a wedding. And uh, all of the people there are not pagan or Wiccan or goddess people. Number one, they don't even realize that people like you or people like me could be priestesses with the ability, the legal ability, to actually perform a wedding ceremony. They They don't know that we exist. You know, so that's kind of a learning curve for some people. And I think also too, you know, if they see a hand fasting ceremony, that's certainly different. Or maybe on you know, you have an altar that maybe has some goddess symbols or something like that. Um, you know, it is it, sometimes it's hard to blend that um, you know, the 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 different um spiritualities or religions of the people that actually come to the wedding. And so I, I'm wondering uh if you've experienced anything like that and um how you handled it, you know, um how or how did you recommend the couple handle it um when maybe their family, you know, kind of raised an eyebrow, if you will.
1: Yes. So the first thing is breathing. I'm gonna always say that. <laughs> and the kindness so most people just don't know like you said they don't know and so we can teach we can teach and be gentle nurturing models and teachers so when one sends out the invitation to the wedding you can include a little thing saying um, this is what we love this is what is important to us you may see these, no, you will see these elements in our wedding, and this is why we've chosen to include them. And we've chosen to include you in our wedding because we love you so much and look forward to seeing you there. And yeah. then at the wedding, the priestess, I love that word too, officiant <laughs> um, is a more mainstream word, um, can remind the people again once they're there. We are here today. We are gathered here today for this beautiful pr- purpose. And these things you might see, and this is why you're going to see them, and this is important to the couple. And you, that's a good time to include people too. You yeah. know, at this time we might ask you to rise up and bless the water and the chalice and give your love, and then the couple might choose to drink that. It's
0: always including
1: everyone. It's always loving everyone.
0: Yes, yes, and, and and I and I think that's you know if like you said you know if because it's such a stressful time, you know I don't think being loving and kind is always our first reaction. You know I think we do have to stop, you know stop for a moment and going back to that reactive and proactive idea, you know not react. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you know, when Aunt Thelma says,
1: what in the world are they doing?
0: You know, <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. and then um, you have your
1: people that you've designated to support you and they can just walk by Aunt Thelma and they pat her hand and whatever <laughs> feels loving to her, you know, so it's a constant working I was right. a teacher before. It's a little bit like being in a classroom. It's constantly work in the room. <laughs> constantly,
0: absolutely. Well, and and you know, it's a time when there's so much information that um, you know making choices about things is overwhelming. Um, do you have advice about how the you know the couple can decide you know how to you know from all the choices there are out there?
1: There are so many choices, and I have this quote by Goethe that I absolutely love. It's magnificent for all of our, for every part of our life, and I would like to share that with you. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, that the ignorance of kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred, a whole stream of events, issues from the decision, raising in one favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamed would have come his way. Whatever you can do or dream you can do, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. So what happens is when you become engaged in that moment You send out the vibration into the universe that this is real. This is happening in your life. Then you say to other people, we're getting married. We're going to have a wedding ceremony and then the wedding reception. People start getting excited about that. The universe is excited about that. It's all here for you, for your benefit, to rise, for your soul to shine. So little things start coming into your field of reference your field of knowledge so you might not know what the choice is you might not know what it is going to be tomorrow but today you've said i'm going to get married you're (laughs) going to hear a little thing you're going to notice a little chapel over there or a little garden over there or a trip over there things start coming into your field that weren't even a possibility before and i like to put things in a box i have lots of little boxes and I put things in a box. I tear them out of the magazine or make a Xerox or I have files on my computer. A song that's interesting because you want to create the world that's for you. Sounds, the feelings, what it looks like. It's all about you. So I just start collecting things in the box. And then, because okay, so I'd like to share this with you. So it might just be birds. For some reason you're picking birds, birds, birds. Why the birds?
2: It doesn't matter.
1: You just collect them. All of a sudden, you notice if you had a lot of peacocks, a lot of peacocks, pictures of peacocks, audios of peacocks. And then you notice, well, you like the way they mate. You like the way they create their families. You and your partner like the co- the colors, and this is the color for your wedding. So the choosing comes really organically. It's magical.
0: And, well, you know, and I like that because, you know, oftentimes, you know, I feel like sometimes our our choices are artificial and not really authentic. And um, I, I know I think about that like the first apartment I had, you know. I wanted to, I didn't want the walls to be bare, so I went out and bought things to hang on the wall. But the the things that I hung on the wall were really sort of meaningless, you know. And it occurred to me later you know, as as I don't know, I guess I got wiser. That that wasn't really the way to do it. You know, it would be better to have the walls white until I could hang something up on the wall that really meant something to me. And I, I think it's kind of the same with what you're talking about. You know, rather than choose things um, that that have no that have no meaning or significance to you. Um, you know, maybe. If if you're patient and let these ideas come to you, um, you know things that you genuinely like or resonate with in some way will will appear. You know, it's sort of like that that expression. You know, when the when the uh, student is ready, the teacher appears. I kind of think this is the same thing, don't you? Yes,
1: and I wanted to share a little bit too about um, the budget. Um, you can have whatever you want within your budget. It is true. And let's say you want to have your wedding in Paris, but you can't afford to take everyone there. So then you find out you can spend some time with yourself and your partner. What is it about Paris that we really want? Maybe it's the cobblestones. Maybe it's that everybody speaks French. Then you bring those elements into the wedding. Or if you really do want to go to Paris, and that is the thing, then it's okay to get that third job. You know, you can go for your goal and make it. And there's also, you have all the money in the world, but you want to have your wedding at Versailles, and they won't let you rent it out. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you meet that challenge? How can you still get what you want? What is it about Versailles? Maybe it's the grandeur. Maybe it's the history that's embedded in the walls. How can you bring that into your own way? And you can with the creativity and listening for these things that pop in.
0: It's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, just get creative. And I mean, and I think yes. that's, that's you know, that's the goddess way too, you know. I mean, it's really get creative and don't be afraid to think outside the box. Just because it's not traditional uh, and something that you see all of the time doesn't mean it's not okay.
1: It always goes back to giving yourself what you want. It's why we're here for goddess. It's the pleasure. Allow this
2: experience
1: to be pleasurable. Allow the wedding to be pleasurable. Allow the people to support you and help you. It's going to be their own way. It's going to be the way they think is best. But how can we be grateful for their gesture? How can we appreciate that? And constantly having the focus of the love with your partner and allowing it to be pleasurable. And with the divine royalty, it's knowing that you're going to get what you want. That's the other part about being regal. There's that knowing, well, of course I'm going to get what I want. <laughs>
0: That's the way it is. <laughs> so it's, so what, about, and, um, what about tips on choosing your officiant or priestess or priest to, um, to do the ceremony? How does one find someone that um, is perfect for them?
1: The officiant, I think, is the whole service. It really sets the tone. Some people are jokesters, some people aren't jokesters. So yes, you want to have someone that matches you. The first step is to follow your faith tradition, if you have one. So if you don't have, if you're an atheist or something like this, then that's a different step. But so for those that have a faith tradition. The very first thing is to go to your temple or your church and let them know how excited you are that you're getting married and talk with the clergy. See if you match with that person. If you're not matching with that person, you might want to give them a second chance. Everybody has a bad day. But if it just isn't working, ask if you can see someone else. There might be someone else. If not, you might want to go to a different temple or church. Um, sometimes they, so if you're an atheist or if you don't have your faith tradition or if you're a little relaxed with the rules and you don't need to follow the rules specifically, then you can have an officiant, um, um, a celebrant, or you could have a friend do it. Having a friend do it is also just very magical because they've known you for some time. And each state has different rules for this, and you can be an officiant for the day. Um, you just have to follow the rules so they can be, have the legal authority to marry you.
2: Right, and right. again,
1: how you choose this is to know yourself, be proactive, um, talk with people, and listen. Just, and you can follow your intuition. You're going to have that guidance, too. And Mm -hmm. if you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody. You don't have to make excuses for it. Well, they married every single person in my family. And that was lovely, but maybe they don't get along with you or you don't get along with them, and then you can find the person you ask basically by asking questions, researching them on the Internet. For me, it's always the gut instinct, how much do I like them or not. Right. And there was one other thing I wanted to say about deficient, that... um, it is not coming to me right now but it is it is the crux of the service of the ceremony because they follow their own liturgy that might be important in your faith tradition or they have the capacity to create exactly the mood and the feeling that you want
0: mhm absolutely and um you know and, and i i think uh the people getting married sh- married should um Give themselves permission to really just take their time, and um, you know, do what really pleases them. You know, I, I, I think you probably said that, but it's 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 worth punctuating. You know, because the um, the you know the ceremony I think is, uh, is is something with a really good officiant. You know, uh, is is something that can just be an incredible experience. You know, rather than oftentimes, you know, I, I think, you know, to my Catholic background in, uh, you know, seeing weddings at church. And, you know, they're so stuffy and boring. And, um, you know, I, I, that, that's not the way we do weddings. You know, it doesn't necessarily look like that, um, unless that's what a person really wants. I mean, it can, it can really be something, um, unique and and beautiful and um, and you know just just a lot of fun.
1: Yes, and I want to honor what you just said, unless that's the person wants, because each yeah. faith tradition is important to the individual. If right. That's the way that they value it. That's wonderful. And it, the important part is knowing yourself and knowing what that that's what you want. And it's like you said, when you're younger, it's hard to know.
2: Mm -hmm. So the
1: slowing down and breathing and taking that time and knowing that what you want is possible, that you may have that.
0: Yeah, because, you know, you really may want to go to Las Vegas and and everybody dress in, um, in medieval clothing and, you know, you're the queen and you're, and, and your spouse is, uh, you know, a, a, a king or a queen, too, and, you know, everybody there, you know, they're like revelers at a rent fair. I mean, you know, right. some people might want to do that, and that's okay. Right. Or, you know, have some Elvis the... people like the royal the, wedding.
1: Yeah, you know, that <laughs> yeah, is you know or, or favorite, have Elvis as like the that.
0: officiant, you know. I mean, uh, there's... I, I think about the crazy Las Vegas weddings, you know, that, that can go from, you know, the crazy extremes to just uh you know, the just the most beautiful uh experiences. So yeah, there's a whole gamut of choices out there. Um, so so Daphne and Leah, what do you think about um, how you can include other people in the service?
1: Again, I'm going to say breathe because it's so important. And there are different ways to include people or different um, people that need to be included. Perhaps it's a second marriage, so you want to include the children that are already there. Um, One thing that we did in my wedding was my stepson was the ring bearer, and we also took another moment, to make a declaration of the new family, of the beginning of the new family. So we had a photograph of three orcas, a mother orca, a daddy orca, and a young orca, in a frame. And in the frame, there were graphics with all three of our names and the date of the wedding. And, you know, there was that intention that... You know, my husband and I were the couple, and then there was also the family that was going in a new, solid direction that was witnessed by our community. So that's an important inclusion. Then you might have people you want to include for the service. So in a Catholic wedding, you might have people that read from the Bible, family members that read from the Bible. In an pagan wedding, you might have that, what I mentioned earlier, people that bless the um, the beverage or the water what you might have in the chalice and then you drink from the chalice bringing all those blessings into your body um, I was reading something recently about um, a mikvah which is about spiritual purification and so family members can participate and go to a mikvah before the wedding in a way to ceremonially start again so there are many things, and your priestess, uh, the priest, your rabbi, your officiant, know these things. So it's so lovely to be open and share what you want, and then they can meet those needs for you.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, because they're, they're the professional and uh, rely on them, you know. Um, yeah rely on them. Now, um, you believe that the strength of the divine feminine movement is important to weddings, too. Um, Would you speak to that?
2: Yes.
1: I think so many things about this. (laughs) We could have another talk show just about that, how important it is in everyday living. Um, Oh, my goodness, where to start? Um, Well, this is coming up for me. Something happened when I learned that in Da Vinci's Last Supper they weren't all men at the Supper. That it was Mary Magdalene to Jesus' side. So that divine energy coming through a woman just changed me. It made me remember my value or made me remember who I am. So that God's presence changed my life. Um, in the Bible, it says that on the last day of creation, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. That's Genesis 126. God refers to itself in a plural pronoun. That is so exciting. So God is plural. Divinity lives within each of us. We are divine spirit beings with beautiful bodies within a gender range. Divinity itself doesn't have gender, but it does once it lives through us and our bodies of gender. So the strength of quantity of people believing in goddess and expressing divinity as female gives that life. It creates the space, value. Ah, I'm just so excited. <laughs> it's a dignified <laughs> truth for those of us that are divinity incarnate in female bodies. That's why it's important every day. So if how we do one thing is how we do everything, how we do our wedding is how we do everything, then to honor divinity inside of the person and allowing them to just be themselves and express their divineness, however it's going to come through them, in that moment of sacred love and sacred trust is just it for me that's it <laughs> right <laughs> that's
0: it. right right no i understand and and it and it can be a big subject you know it it sort of um you know permeates um everything and well uh, but you know, I think there are two other areas about the the sort of associated with the wedding that might be worth discussing and um and and I'll just sort of throw it out there um the, you know, it, after the wedding, you know, after the reception, um, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure, um, you know, that first night together. Now, sometimes, you know, people who are getting married, have uh, have lived together, um, you know, maybe they haven't, but whether, I think whether you have or you haven't, there's a lot of pressure that that first night just be, you know, bells and whistles and uh, magical, you know, uh, sexual experience, and um, my personal thought—and you may have a different idea—is to not put that kind of pressure on yourselves. I know when my husband and I got married, um, we we did live together before we got married, but we actually spent our honeymoon night. Um, eating all the food that we didn't have time to eat at the reception. (laughs) And, and, you know, and we laugh about that now, but there was no pressure to perform. There was no pressure to live up to some preconceived notion of what your honeymoon night, uh, you know, your first night together as married, uh, you know, loving couple is supposed to be like. And I don't know, I, I, I think to give ourselves permission to either, you know, go in that direction or not go in that direction is probably um, really important, don't you?
2: Yes.
1: I have so much I'd like to share about that. Um, it's that, about being proactive. That magical word you said at the beginning. Um, I'd like to go back to the reception for the moment because it's a reception That, too, is very exciting. At the reception, we receive the blessings of our community as a new married couple, as two individuals that are now a couple. And we are received by our community as this couple. They're witnessing this new entity. We continue with that through the evening and for the rest of our lives, So how do we want to shape that? How do we want to make that first night? We get to make it however we want. How are we going to be most authentic to ourselves? Exactly, we don't have to go by any other person's rules, but we can make it the most pleasurable for ourselves. For me, I think when we get married, it's the two of us plus divinity. So it's the sacred spiritual union and sacred physical love that's going to be shared between this couple. So divinity is always there. And it can be a really fun evening. You can spend the whole evening eating. You can spend the whole evening dancing because the reception goes on until 5 o'clock in the morning. How you express yourself openly with your hearts completely open to one another, that's how I would want, you know, spend that first night.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And and I think, you know, sometimes young couples, you know, um they don't have that wisdom yet to know that they don't have to put pressure on themselves, you know, or, you know, maybe the the young man you know might uh you know he's he's had his bachelor party and you know and and you know he might have these preconceived notions about what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to perform, and um you know maybe it's it, it's um uh you know maybe a conversation you know actually a candid conversation just has to be had, you know, like you said, have them follow follow their hearts and not um uh uh, be be pressured, you know, to do anything that doesn't feel authentically right and good for both of them, you know?
1: There's the movie, um, I think it's How Stella Got Her Groove Back, and there's a couple, and the young man is charming and kind, and he wants to make her happy, and you can see that he's put himself, he's put that pressure on himself. He just wants everything to be perfect. And then she sees that and senses that, so um, she goes away for a moment, and when she comes back, she's very silly with him and very fun, and it just lightens the mood, and then they have a lovely evening after that, so right, what you were right, saying reminded right. me of that.
0: <laughs> right, right, and, and you know, Daphne, Leah, I don't know about you, um, but um, have you ever um, it's had anyone tell you about post-wedding depression? Uh, and by that I mean, um, you know, you maybe spend six months or a year planning this wedding, and, you know, all of that energy is building, and, uh, you know, finally the big day comes, maybe if you're lucky enough, a honeymoon too. And then after all of that wonderful excitement and uh, festivities, and then you're sort of hit with, just the everyday routine you're you're back in the you know the nine to five grind, maybe, and all of that uh, specialness is gone um, and you know maybe it's even i don't know i i' I haven't had a child I know you have you know maybe you can almost liken it to uh post you know uh the the depression women have sometimes after you know after a baby. Um, because you feel like, well, is this all there is? You know, it, it, in a sense, I guess what I'm trying to say, and I don't know if I'm doing a good job of it, um, it, it you're on a high, and, and then you have to come down from that. And I think sometimes coming down from all of that excitement, being the center of attention, all of this, you know, this specialness, and um, maybe it, it, it takes an adjustment, you know, it, 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 um, and maybe that's something that needs to be acknowledged.
1: Exactly, and planned for, because mm-hmm. um, that's true. So I think there are different issues with postpartum depression. I think that that um, has hormonal components, exhaustion. So I'm going to focus with the, the wedding part. It's because of everything you just said. Well, what's the next special thing coming up? Is this going to be my 50th wedding anniversary? <laughs> so we need to plan for it. You know, um, make yourself special every day, ideally. Think of the ways that you're enchanted every day. How are you going to be grateful every day? How are you grateful for your partner every day? And make some fantastic uh, new roles coming up. Okay, well, this is the wedding. What are we going to do for our third month anniversary? Are we going to plan a trip with our in-laws? Um, you know, even the mundane things of buying a house are very exciting. So you do want to have that um, childlike enthusiasm for life. What's coming up next? What mm-hmm. are we going to make that fun next? And you really do have to plan for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 make an effort. You know, because I, I think after after you come down off that wedding and honeymoon high, uh, I think just you know everyday life. And the mundaneness of the of the routine, um, it seems that much. Sometimes I think that much more difficult, um, you know, to en- to enjoy. Maybe you know, not not that of course you're not happy that you're together and you know you're you know you're living your life together, but it's almost as if you know you've you've been riding this journey leading up to the wedding. And the wedding is the destination, and you've achieved the goal. You've got the brass ring. You you made it to the destination, and then it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, it's true. Um, you know, so so That's we to want to have good.
1: lives that. It, it, it's very important, and we want to have lives that. It, it, it's the way I'm thinking of it. Is um, you get to wear the big wedding dress on that day, and then the rest of the time we're wearing shorts and t-shirts. Right. So, yeah. how can we make the shorts and t-shirts fun too? How can we be enough and have
0: enough right. and be so grateful for the shorts and t-shirts? Right, right, right. Well, you know, lots of lots of things to think about here, uh, Daphne Leah, and I think you, um, uh, you. definitely gave a lot of good advice. Um, if someone wanted to contact you, uh, maybe to get more information or to. Um, you know, maybe go in a little bit more detail about some of the stuff we talked about, um, how would one reach you?
1: Well, first of all, I would love it if they reached me for all of those reasons. That would be wonderful. And this is my website, http colon right slash right slash daphneleask.weebly.com. So D-A-P as in Paul, H. It is a Nancy, E-L-E-A-H-S-K dot W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com.
0: Okay, and if anyone missed that, uh, you can, of course, uh, just get in touch with me, and uh, I will put you in touch uh, with Daphne Leah. So as we close um, tonight's uh, you know show on Wedding Wisdom, The Goddess Way, um, what information would you like an engaged couple to leave with?
1: Oh, love yourselves completely then the love that's filling your chalices, your temple, this is going to overflow onto everyone else. Do what you need to do to live with an open heart and open mind and strong guts. And congratulations <laughs> on finding a special person to marry.
2: Just
0: congratulations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, we didn't talk about the budget a lot, but, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, it's probably really important not to overextend yourself, you know, just to um you know for for one day because you know the day goes by so fast and i know i did a hand fasting for a lovely couple and uh they actually for a wedding cake they didn't have a big expensive wedding cake they actually had um um it 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 was like uh, it was like a tower of cupcakes you know that were all <laughs> sort of um you know put together and it was the cutest thing and, you know, I guess I would just say, you know, don't, uh, don't feel pressured to overextend yourself uh, because nobody's going to judge you, you know. Um, that,
1: that it's the knowing you're enough and what you want is enough and what you have is enough and what you will do is perfectly beautiful and enough.
0: Yeah, because it is about the love. It's about people are witnessing your commitment, you know, to one another and, you know, all of the uber-consumer Uh, ism of weddings Um, you know give yourself permission to reject it if that's what you want to do you know
2: or
1: receive it if you have it and you want to that's great too it's all good (laughs) sure
0: absolutely absolutely just say true to yourself Well, Dr. Leah, thank you so much um, for uh, offering this wise advice tonight, and uh, I want to thank you. And uh, anyone who has you as their priestess officiant uh, is certainly a lucky couple.
1: Oh, Karen, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. All right. Well, we are crossing the threshold uh, into the second half of the show, and I think you've probably... Know that by that sound. Um, And we have a couple housekeeping tidbits uh, before we move into the second half. You know, I've said it before, uh, and I'll say it again, I kind of feel like PBS. Why? Well, (laughs) I hope you'll let me know uh, that I am not all alone out here. Let me know you are enjoying the show and uh, that you don't want it to go away. Uh, It's a lot of work to do this show every week, year in and year out, Uh, especially nice that I have two guests every uh, every week, and you can show your appreciation and support by either sending a donation to help keep Voices of the Sacred Feminine on the air, or, you know, uh, you can also help me by buying one of my books, either from me or wherever you can get it new, because you know what, buying the book used on Amazon, that doesn't really help too much at all. But by all means, if that is all you can afford, I would rather you get the message than not. So... Do that if you have to. But I hope you'll go to my website at KarenTate.com and perhaps order one of my books or order it from your local bookseller. You know Amazon is putting most booksellers out of business and we have to be aware of that. So buy there only if you have no other option. I was reading an article uh, just last week, I believe I think I might have mentioned it on the show last week as well that uh, Amazon might start offering a deal where readers can have access to, I think it was 500,000 titles for ten dollars a month, well, I have to tell you that will totally destroy an already dying book publishing industry. So we'll just have to see how that all works out. But in the meantime, Goddess Calling, uh, my uh, my new book that came out in the spring, is for individuals uh, and it's also for group inspiration. It helps one connect the dots between the importance of goddess spirituality, politics and social issues of the day. Uh, but it's not just about that. You know, there are wonderful meditations, and it talks about gratitude and what your real riches are. One of the um, one of the most popular uh, readings in there is about how goddess ideals are like Star Trek ideals. Um, and how building community, uh, you know, has its costs. So there's a lot of interesting uh, messages uh, in uh, in Goddess Calling. So, dear listeners, I hope you'll help support me in the show by picking up a copy of Goddess Calling: Inspirational Messages and Meditations of Sacred Feminine Liberation Theology. And uh, there was something I wanted to share with you before we get to the Sekhmet meditation. It was an article that. Um, uh, crossed uh, my computer today, and I think it uh, falls in the category of bees in my bonnet. <laughs> um, the article uh, said India's India's High Court uh, disgruntled wives ruling tests dowry laws enacted to pr- to protect women, and uh, this was. Um, An article out of New Delhi It said roughly 8,000 And it's by Rama Lakshmi And it said roughly 8,000 women in India Died violent deaths in 2013 Because their families were unable to cough up The demands for more dowry According to government statistics Such deaths have been a long time problem for India And explain why the country passed a series of laws Against dowry in the 1980s To protect against this form of violence Yet this month, India's Supreme Court delivered a landmark ruling that questioned the propriety propriety of the laws and said they are used unfairly by disgruntled wives to prosecute their husbands and in-laws. Anti-dowry statutes are used as weapons rather than shields, the court concluded. The simplest way to harass is to get the husband and his relatives arrested under this provision. The judges then instructed the police to follow due diligence before making arrests. The ruling threatens to undermine hard won battles by the women's movement in recent decades, advocates of the law say, but it it has given a huge boost to the growing number of families who are saying the dowry laws unfairly favor female complainants. Earlier this month, husbands and mother-in-laws who claimed to have been wrongfully accused of extortion under the dowry law gathered on a broiling pot afternoon on the courthouse lawn in New Delhi. They carried bags full of legal documents and brimmed with tales of lying wives and manipulative daughters-in-law. And the question was was asked, uh, will I be arrested? What if she drafts me to court? Do we return all the gold jewelry? Um, And the response was, well, print out a copy of this month's Supreme Court ruling, counseled a senior activist of uh, a growing nationwide support group called Save Indian Families, which blames Indian women with destroying families by misusing anti-dowry laws. If the police come to arrest, you read the ruling. Well, dowry was officially outlawed in 1961, but over the years the number of brides who were killed by their husbands or... um, you know, or, uh, his family over dowry grew because bride's parents couldn't feed the continuing demand of their husband's families even after the wedding. But many of these deaths were reported as suicides or euphemistically documented as kitchen accidents. Stronger laws were introduced in the 80s to protect married women from the cruelty and battery by the husband or his relatives. Well, despite the laws, the practice of dowry giving remains entrenched in Indian society and has grown because of rising middle-class consumerism and affluence. Ninety percent of Indian marriages are arranged by parents. There's some form of dowry in all of them. Um, And let's see, Ranja Kumari, director of the Center for Social Research and author of the book, Brides Are Not for Burning, says, every groom has a price tag for dowry depending on his occupation and his family's economic status. The middle class is under pressure to give bigger cars, bigger home theater systems, bigger everything. So parents of brides now keep the bills and photographs of dowry transactions as evidence, said Varsha Sharma, a senior policewoman in the Crime Against Women Division in New Delhi. More than 220,000 people were arrested on charges of dowry harassment in 2013. The conviction rate last year was 16%. In the New Delhi prison, there's a cell named Mother-in-Law Sister-in-Law Barracks, For women arrested on charges of dowry cruelty, even sisters living abroad um, for decades are arrested, the court noted. In 2011, the court also likened the dowry law to legal terrorism. So anyway, a lawyer in the high court case said arrest was often swift after a married woman accused relatives of extortion, but no longer. For the first time, the Supreme Court has said the police and lower court magistrates will be held accountable if they arrest without adequate justification. But the supporters of the dowry law say the tone of the ruling hurt. They, Kumari asked, how can the Supreme Court use words like disgruntled wives to describe women who complain and seek legal action? Should the court create conditions for social change or blame the victim? So activists who work with the victims of dowry harassment and domestic abuse face a difficult quandary. Um, Every law is misused in India. Why single out just the dowry law, said uh, this activist. Unfortunately, the misuse tarnishes the case of genuine victims of dowry. Um, A domestic worker lost her 24-year-old daughter last year after the husband's family made repeated demands for gifts and money. Uh, at the time of the marriage, uh, the groom's parents said, we don't want any dow- dowry, send us your daughter and just three sets of clothes. But uh, she, even, even though that's all they asked for, she still gave the groom's family a cupboard, a TV, a sewing machine, a juicer, a kitchen stove, an ironing machine, and jewelry. But later the groom's family demanded a motorcycle and then a down payment for a home loan. So when Prakash, um, the, the daughter, could not deliver, um, the daughter was, was killed, she said. Uh, she had been strangulated with a, uh, with a nylon rope. Um, her son-in-law and his mother are in prison on charges of dowry murder but have claimed to, uh, in court that the death was a suicide. So um, I could go on, but you see there's two sides to this story. Uh, there's possibly uh, disgruntled wives who use the law to um, harass their husbands and mother-in-laws, but there's also genuinely women who um, risk these kitchen accidents or these, um, you know, being murdered simply because uh, their family can't afford to give the husband all of these uh, you know, all of these expensive gifts. So I, I thought it was an interesting story to share tonight as we talked about um, wedding wisdom, the goddess way, uh, this whole idea of a dowry. Wow. You know, imagine if we did that here in the United States, if every woman had to have a dowry. Uh, and that is exactly why so many female babies um, are actually killed at birth, because poor families can't afford to pay dowries. And, uh, you know, I'm not Indian, and I'm certainly no expert on the subject, but it seems to me that maybe the dowry system is something that uh, uh, has to be looked at and maybe some different ideas about how it's actually enforced, um, you know, would, would help people moving forward in the future. So, uh, as... Uh, As we come to a close tonight, uh, we will uh, get into the Sekhmet meditation. Uh, As I mentioned at the top of the show, tonight I'll play for you a pre-recorded meditation dedicated to our beloved Sekhmet, the Egyptian lion-headed goddess who teaches us to have healthy boundaries, to be strong, discerning, resilient. She's both a warrior goddess and a mother and healer. I like calling her the lady of tenacity manifested. We'll pay tribute to her tonight as our country deals with the heat of the summer, with drought across California, and the wildfires that are popping up everywhere as we speak. And if you have my book, Walking an Ancient Path, I've detailed some very magical experiences I've had with Sekhmet, including the one I mentioned earlier about the fire uh, that uh, had been raging out of control. And after petitioning her, You know, it suddenly stopped. Within 24 hours, it was under control. Yes, Sekhmet is the deity and archetype for women today as they seek to dissolve the patriarchy and empower themselves to make the world a better place. And in my book, I also mention how I believe Sekhmet heard my prayers for healing. So, um, you know, maybe one day I will read excerpts from that chapter, but... um, You can always uh, pick up Walking an Ancient Path and uh, hear the whole story. So uh, as I scan down my audio files to find the meditation, and here we are. It's a 12-minute meditation, so sit back and relax. Maybe grab a cup of tea if you want to just listen to the guided imagery and might not be able to actually do the meditation right now. You can always replay this if you'd like uh, to meditate with it uh, at, you know, later on. Um, or you can actually find it uh, on my website. If you go to the Goddess Store page, it's there for you to uh, play totally free. I provide it as a service to the community and as a tribute to our beloved lady, Sekhmet. So here is the Sekhmet Meditation. Enjoy. And I'll stay with you until it's over and come back to say goodnight. Hello, this is Karen Tate, author of Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations, and the award-winning Walking an Ancient Path, Rebirthing Goddess on Planet Earth. I'd like to share with you a meditation that might assist you in becoming more familiar with the lion-headed Egyptian goddess called Sekhmet. You might have heard the ancient myth of Sekhmet, where she went on a killing spree in the name of her father, Ra, and had to be drugged to stop her from killing all of humanity. Well, I'm going to strongly suggest that you wipe that image and story of Sekhmet from your mind. because trust me she is no wanton killer in fact she's a healer a mother creatrix as well as being a warrior goddess her son is Nefertim, patron god of doctors her consort ta is a creator god of egypt and her priests were well-trained surgeons in the ancient world i'd invite you to look deeply into Sepmet. See her tenacity strength passion and will all of which she imparts to us she's the mother of tough love sometimes that kicks her cubs out of the den to learn life's lessons but she's also there to hold them close within the protection of her powerful embrace we call her lady of tenacity manifested that's a contemporary name of Sephmet that we've created for her after we've gotten to know her, because if you learn to embody the qualities she represents or evokes, you'll be victorious and successful to meet life's challenges. She's particularly important to women today as they seek personal empowerment and learn to have healthy boundaries, and sometimes that means saying no. So, we're about to start the Segment Guided Meditation. I'd like to invite you to find a comfortable place to sit and um, get your body in a comfortable position. Just relax and breathe. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Do that several times. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Close your eyes and breathe deeply, in and out. Just let the cares of the outside world drop away. If your mind starts to wander, just call it back to the sound of my voice. And see some of the ideas I suggest to you on the movie screen of your third eye. Just relax and breathe, because you're safely tucked away in the arms of the Mother Goddess. You have come here to honor her and to know her. So just relax as we begin the journey. You're laying down in a cool green meadow. Tall grass is all around you. A line of trees are in the distance. And behind that, tall mountains, still with traces of winter snow at the highest peaks. You feel the cool, gentle breeze on your cheeks. You're perfectly relaxed. You're perfectly comfortable. You're not worried or concerned about one single thing. The sun is shining brightly overhead and you bask in the glow. You are content, soaking in the beauty and abundance the mother has provided. As you lay there on your back, eyes shaded toward the sun, you hear a slight rustle in the tall green grass just beyond you. There seems to be something moving closer toward you, but you're not alarmed. You're perfectly relaxed as you hear the gentle footsteps making their way toward you. You know you are in the domain of the mother and you know you are perfectly safe. As the sound coming towards you stops, you're curious and sit up. You look over in the direction of the sound. And partially cloaked by the tall grass, you spy the outline of a large golden feline. What catches your attention are the eyes. She looks at you. She looks through you. As she moves closer, you feel her energy like the powerful rays of sunbeams, capable, nurturing, and wise. As you continue to gaze into each other's eyes, you suddenly feel your surroundings go hazy and liquid. The big cat moves closer to you, inviting you toward her. Your eyes are inches apart now, and you covet this magnificent feeling she is radiating in your presence. Within seconds, you no longer see her, but you feel her inside you. You look down at your feet and you see their shifting shape, painlessly, miraculously, wonderfully. You look at your arms and hands and they too are morphing and beginning to look like the supple, agile, powerful limbs of a feline. You attempt to utter your astonishment, and your voice comes out in deep and guttural purrs. Then you look to your right, and the lioness is standing beside you. It is Sekhmet, the lion-headed goddess. She's beckoning you to walk alongside her. You both walk together through the tall grass. All the while you feel her eyes and breath on you. Her stare is imparting ancient wisdom to you. It is her gift. While you were basking in the glow of this energy, you would not realize she had walked you beyond the grass toward a cool grotto of trees. And you see a cave in the distance she gestures for you to walk toward the cave behind you all the while supporting you silently imparting strength and knowledge she directs you to sit in the cool inviting darkness of this womb like space you hear her voice in the silence telling you to close your eyes and in your mind's eye you begin to see images these images impart sounds and give you a higher sense of awareness take a minute or two or as much as you like sit with these images and ideas let them flow from her into you absorb them as if you were a sponge try to remember what you're being shown These are messages and gifts from the Great Mother. Let these images flow into you. Yes, absorb them as if you were a sponge. Try to remember what you are being shown because these messages are gifts from the Great Mother. You feel the images fading, getting harder to grasp, until they finally just cease. They're like grains of sand slipping through your fingers. You open your new feline eyes, and naturally you see clearly in the darkness. You breathe deeply, as if by doing so, you can anchor these newfound ideas thoughts and messages within your psyche. You no longer see her there physically, but you still feel the lingering energy of her presence within you. But instinctively, you know it's time to exit the cave. Walking toward the cave opening, you glimpse the sunlight just beyond. As you step into the full light of the golden sun, You glance down at your body and you are once again fully human. You walk back through the tall grasses, feeling the green growing things gently caressing your limbs as you go. You return to that sacred spot where this all began. You sit down on the soft velvet-like grass and breathe. Lay back and breathe yourself back into awareness. You are relaxed, but you are transformed, for she is still and always a part of you. Now take a deep cleansing breath. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Do it once again. Slowly bring yourself back into the room. Open your eyes, continue to breathe. You might want to wiggle your toes and shake your hands. Say your name out loud. This is Karen Tate, and I hope you've enjoyed. Sekhmet Meditation, introducing you to the lion-headed Egyptian goddess Sekhmet. I hope you enjoyed that meditation. I forgot that I would have had myself muted. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I just wanted to let you know that next week I will uh, have on the show uh, Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson. They are going to be with me, and our topic is uh, Falling in Love Every Day, The Secrets of a Spiritual Romance. And uh, I will also have some other wonderful guests during the month of August. Uh, Andrew Harvey is with me uh, at, toward the end of August. And um, but getting back to next week, uh, Kathy Pagano will be with us uh, telling us the cosmic story, what um, you know the cosmos has cooked up for us during the month of August. So uh, I hope you are enjoying your summer. And uh, I hope you have wonderful things planned uh, to bring you joy uh, in the coming weeks. And as I close out tonight's show, I just want to thank you for being with me. And in our ongoing tribute to Sekhmet, uh, please hear uh, Sekhmet by the wonderful group Zingaya out of Las Vegas. And here it goes.